Thank you for joining me today. It's so nice that you're here. It's Saturday in Joburg and it's hot, hot. And the electricity just went. So I came into the bedroom because it's cozy and it's quite ironic that I'm in the bedroom. I came here because it's bright primarily, not because it's cozy. But it's ironic that I'm in here because we're talking about sex today. Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may be. Let's talk about sex. Let's talk about sex. Hey, did you guys know I could sing? You guys did not know that I had some pipes on me. I was actually in the chapel choir. <laughs> the irony. I was in the chapel choir um, and like sang my heart out for the school. And here I am singing to you about sex. The very thing we were supposed to act like we don't have when we're in high school. And I, I'm recording this episode because I just want us to talk about why we act like good girls don't have sex and then expect wives to be great at sex <laughs> it's a setup it's a setup and it's actually not fair it's not fair at all and i just what i don't like about it is that the people who are getting away with this whole scam are literally the church right but you can even ask yourself if the church is even getting away with the scam. Because how many divorces or your cases of infidelity or disgruntled husbands do they have to try to figure out how to counsel when they've married these pious huns who don't know how to deliver in the bedroom? Why? Because they themselves, the church, have shamed us, slut-shamed us into running away and being very uncomfortable with sex and our sexual liberation and adventurousness and the joy and pleasure and connection that you can have sexually with your partner. No one teaches us even how to have sex, but we're supposed to somehow like arrive in a relationship knowing how to go down on a guy, knowing how to, you know, not just go down on a guy, but you know, perform in other positions, figure out his erogenous zones, or be open to exploring, you know, kinks and unconventional you know, areas and methods of sexual arousal. Like, it just honestly isn't right. And I'm here talking about it, maybe because I'm single and it's not like I have a husband who's going to be like, oh my God, my wife was out there talking to all the single people and married people about sex. I am so embarrassed because that's the other thing, right? Why is it that when a woman is owning her sexuality and talking about sex and talking about her sexual experience, it's villainized? Like, like where there's something sacrilegious about talking about a body part that apparently was made in the image of God. Okay, if, if we say that we're Christian and we are made in the image of God, men and women, penises were made in the image of God, vaginas were made in the image of God, clitorises, is it clitorises or clitori? Guys, I'm always like having a debate about plurals on this podcast, but clitorises were made in the image of God, rectums were made in the image of God. So, or I should say anuses because rectum, no one wants to be engaging with that. Um, so if all of this is supposed to be, and our whole body is supposed to be our temple, right? All of these parts are our temple. The way that we find pleasure in 
you know, what our eyes behold, right? There's the sensory pleasure of visually appealing things, and that can be sacred and beautiful and worship. There is the pleasure of singing and the vibration of sound as it travels down our throat and reverberates in our chest. And you can feel sound vibrating in many parts of your body, and it feels so good. And if you're singing in worship of God, why then, when we suddenly hone in on genitals, Whatever the genitals are doing is now not in service of God. All of a sudden, this body that's a temple and holy is now in service of the devil. Hmm, I must question that, right? And so I don't like the way that sex has been separated from the human experience and yet is such a fundamental part of the human experience. I don't like the way that sex is, the way that women are um, educated and indoctrinated about what is positive or safe or acceptable or holy sex and what is not. If I'm single, anything that I do sexually is unholy. If I'm married, everything that I do around sex is holy. But not everything though, because there are some things that are just a little bit too nasty and reveal that you're, you were a bit of a hoe before you got married. So your somehow your single sexual legacy can come and contaminate your married sexual legacy but your married sexual legacy can suddenly be reversed and become a shameful thing if your husband dies and then you want to now have sex with someone else but no you can't do it when you're single because that would make you unholy so you'd better rush and find a husband if you ever want to have sex again good luck having sex again unless you're married it is such nonsense and I hate it. It's subjugation. And I say it's subjugation because essentially what this approach that we have to sex does is that it alienates us from a major aspect of our identity and our human experience and our physical experience in this world, our bodies, right? All of a sudden, everything else is okay about us except our boobs and our vaginas and everything else that brings us sexual pleasure. And the same thing for men, right? Like, their penis is an evil thing that's going to lead them to sin, right? Or that's going to turn them into a rapist. Or that's going to bring shame upon their household if they dare impregnate another woman, especially if she was like a holy woman. And now, if he does that in our culture in Shona, he must now go pay damages because he's damaged someone else's child. And now the whole family must go and hang their heads in shame as they hand over money for damages because they've come and deflowered someone else's flower. As if that flower even belonged to that family or belonged to the father in that family. This podcast is a little bit of a rant, as you can see. <laughs> because I'm about to talk about how ridiculous it is that a girl's vagina can belong to her family, right? Like, I realized very, not very early, I wish I realized early enough, but I made this realization in my early 30s that a woman's vagina, if you grow up in a Christian or African household, your vagina never belongs to you. And I think this is true for many other cultures in the world, right? Because it's also true for Western culture. Like if you look at the US, for example, um, anyone who's religious, or if you think of Islam, I think a lot of more conservative religions hold this belief, which is that a woman's vagina does not belong to her. Her vagina belongs, when she gets born, her vagina belongs to her father. And her vagina is her father's until she gets married. And her father walks her and her vagina down the aisle and then hands her and her vagina over to her husband. And now that she's married, her vagina belongs 
to God, to, to her husband. But there's this interim stage whereby if the woman decides that she wants to give her life to Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ becomes her Lord and Savior and the master of her life, then her vagina moves, gets transferred from her father into Jesus's hands. And then Jesus is the one in the, you know, church ceremony of marriage who then will hand your, your vagina over to your husband. And if your, if your husband subsequently dies, then your vagina is left hanging because apparently your vagina dies with him until he posthumously hands it over to your future husband if you get remarried. And in some cultures, it's very much shunned for you to get married and remarried. I know, um, and I know in those cultures, women end up actually being condemned to sexual, like, I mean, the drylands, the Sahara until they die because their culture says no to their pleasure. So what does this mean? This means that over the course of a woman's entire life, at no point does her vagina ever belong to her. But a man's penis belongs to him, right? My vagina went from belonging to my father to belonging to Jesus, to belonging to my husband, to belonging back to the ether, right? It was never mine. And so how ridiculous is it, therefore, that... I, well, I shouldn't say therefore. How ridiculous is it that women don't get to own one of their body parts? Yet men are allowed to own their penises. And yet at the same time, this vagina that doesn't belong to me, right? That somehow belongs to my father, belongs to the priest or Jesus, has the power to mesmerize a man and make him rape me. Or mesmerize a man and make him um, impregnate me if I didn't want to get pregnant or mesmerize a man into cheating on his wife if I'm single. So this mysterious vagina <laughs> that doesn't belong to me is so powerful that it can still lead a man astray. I mean, get out of here, guys. Get out of here. When will people stop scamming us? Why are they scamming us so much? It is awful because when we buy into that, we, we both, we then are forced to hold as women this weird, impossible state of both being disempowered about our vaginas and allegedly having a mysterious, insane amount of power in our vaginas. And therefore, no one is safe from our vagina. I'm not safe from my vagina as a single woman who wants to be pure. No man is safe from my vagina if he wants to be faithful or if he wants to be if he wants to not rape me, right? So who's the enemy? My vagina. And then you get women and, and you see us, and I've been one of these women for a very long time, who feels this weird, shameful relationship with her sexuality. Because her sexuality becomes this dangerous thing that everyone is scared of and so scared of that they're trying to control, right? And this thing that is supposed to be hers is somehow an extension of everyone else's identity. Because how much do we see the slut shaming on social media and in society in general when a husband's wife, e.g. Kiki Palmer and her dude, what was his name? Oh, Lord, guys, the way that no one even remembers his, his name, everyone just calls him Kiki Palmer's boyfriend, Darius. Young Darius is like, not my wife, not a mother running around naked, even though he's half naked. 
on his page and she wasn't even naked she was just in a sheer outfit with a little bit of booty cheek showing right who cares it's her body she can do with it what she wants and if she wants to have a sexy glow up after she had a baby because now she has boobs now she's got hips and she used to be very very um like you i mean we remember kiki's body you guys kiki wasn't like delivering curves and so now she's having her little renaissance and her man is like nope 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 because what your sexuality reflects on me so her sexuality is not hers it is some offshoot of his identity and he feels threatened by the extent to which that sexuality seems to be out of his control right who told you that you could take your body and do with it what you want while i'm at home nursing the baby right and making sure our baby goes goes to bed even though you're out there making the money for us so that i can be at home hanging out with the baby on a nice in a nice house on a nice bed with nice sheets with our baby and and that's how i put the baby in you right but no you better not go and use that same sexuality that made me fall for you and come and throw my seed in you and go you know willy-nilly displaying it in the streets no because guess what that sexuality actually belonged to me when i came and i hooked up with you and i called you my girl i was telling you that your sexuality was now mine what the fuck is that guys he doesn't even have a ring on it and even if he had a ring on it her sexuality never belonged to her because it belongs never belonged to him because it belongs to her so it is just a mess i can just say that it's a mess I'm not here trying to be all philosophical and wise and come with all all the theory and the anthrolo- anthropological research. Because, I mean, I was just as I say that, I'm like, but it would be interesting to share that part of the reason we're in this mess is because women's uteri were the primary means of, were the only means of propagating the species. So there was a risk if a uterus did not belong to child rearing. So they had to, and I think that this is some of the subconscious things some of the subconscious things that human beings do when they feel insecure and they grapple at trying to bring, you know, control, right, to things that seem like they're out of their control. So if a man's only way of propagating his legacy is by getting a woman to bear him a child, right? But if this child is free, she can go and have children with 500 people and then she can propagate 500 people's legacies. And so then that puts his legacy at risk, right? And then how will he know who his who his name bearers are amongst this brood of children that this wild woman has gone and had in the streets, right? So he has to say, no, this vagina belongs to my name and my legacy, and I will secure it by either keeping her as the cave woman in my little cave or putting a ring on it and putting her in my little house right in my in my random outfits that will make sure that no other man is sexually attracted to her and puts my uterus at risk by possibly putting his seed into the uterus that is supposed to only carry my seed and i think all of this stuff is very subconscious right but it's deadly because it leaves us in a place where now women are not empowered and i think the reason that men are having such hissy fits about women owning their sexuality people like me who's 39 in the streets you know, having sex, doesn't have a husband, isn't interested in having children, they hate people like me because I am upending the order and therefore putting their legacy at risk. And so this whole thing, I really wish men would just come out and say, I have to be honest with you ladies, this whole thing has got nothing to do with you guys. It's actually about me and my fear of loss of legacy.
right? Because then if we, if we could say that, right, then we could start sitting down with men and saying, well, why, right? And are there other ways that we can secure your legacy without us having to belong to you? And by the way, does, not, does that not sound like slavery? And have we not learned anything from slavery? But apparently we haven't because we're still enslaving women. I mean, just look at the, the overturning of Road versus Wade, right? It's the most ridiculous thing that women can no longer get an abortion safely and legally in many states in America. It's bananas to me. It is also true in Zim that you're not allowed to get an abortion. You can actually get arrested for it. And so what I, I'm just trying to figure out is why can't we just talk about this and why can't we just be brave, right? I'm not going to come here and be like, come on, society, give us our free, right? That's not even why I came to this podcast. I actually came to this podcast low-key angry and I just wanted to talk about it. And I wanted everyone else who listens to this podcast who's also angry about the fact that we don't get to have a vagina and we don't get to have sexuality, we don't get to have a sexual awakening and a glow up, um, is just shit, it's shit for us and it's shit for men. And I wish men knew that half of these fucking things are shit for them. But ugh, they're just so enslaved by patriarchy. Because then, right, I'm going to use myself as an example. And people I know who are like me, right? My vagina has exchanged hands, right, from my father to Jesus. Because I signed, guys, I should tell you, like in high school, I signed a little card. It was a yellow card from Scripture Union that said, I it didn't say I give my virginity to Jesus. <laughs> But it did say that I will abstain from sex, blah, blah, blah. And I promise to remain pure, blah, 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 blah. Sincerely, Tenji. And I had to sign it. And it was a pledge. And I kept it in my Bible. I found it the other day. In my office, that's next door right now. There's a little yellow card in there that says Tenji has given her vagina to Jesus. Bruh, it is fucking ridiculous. But anyway, so, so my little vagina has been exchanging hands, right? And it's somewhere out there being outsourced. At the same time... The Bible has been telling me that lust is a terrible thing and we should all be afraid of it. So I'm not even allowed to trust my own attraction. So I can't feel sexually attracted to a dude, even though that's such a big part of what draws us to the people that we should ultimately end up spending our lives with, right? You should be with someone who you're sexually attracted to as well as intellect. Well, I shouldn't say as well as intellectually, blah, blah, blah. I think we all solve for different things in marriage. So let me not come... There we go. It's a Saturday, which is when I'm often recording. So you're always going to hear a motorbike. Um, so I shouldn't act like my criteria for relationship should be someone else's criteria for entering into a relationship. But I know that for me and what I want for everyone. <laughs> Guys, I want for everyone to have a delicious male walk into their bedroom and for them to be like, mm, and just like take it in. Right. And unabashedly enjoy the beauty and like glistening richness and yumminess of that man's skin and his muscles and his strength and his size. Guys, men are just so awesome. Oh my gosh, bless you lesbians and, and everyone who's part of the LGBTQ plus community who's not into men, but men are delicious and I love it. Now imagine I'm not allowed to, to find men delicious, but I'm supposed to eat a man for the rest of my life. Like I'm supposed to eat him in my bed the rest of my life, but I'm supposed to act like I don't find him delicious. So somehow I'm an 18 year old or, or a 16 year old, let's say, because I think, I actually think I gave away my, my virginity when I was 14. I gave it to Jesus, by the way. So I'm 14 
I'm not supposed to be a sexual creature. I'm only supposed to be nice and sweet, right? And kind. And men are into, into me, but because I'm pious, I'm supposed to feel affronted and shameful and shame-filled about being the object of a man's desire. That's certainly how I felt, right? So I, I'm already now creating this weird shameful relationship with my sexuality because Christians told me that my sexuality is bad, right? So, okay, now I have this awkward, awkward, awkward relationship with my sexuality. But no one is talking about it. I can't talk to anyone about it. It's not supposed to be happening. My mother has the same shame I have. All the other women around me have the same shame that I have, unless they're sluts, right? And I'm saying sluts in inverted commas. And so I'm stuck here with my awkwardness and nowhere to go with it. So, there I am. With the vagina, it doesn't make sense to me, but it's very powerful and it's making men attracted to me, so I'm pushing them away. At the same time as this is happening, I'm finding myself attracted to men. But the attraction that I feel for men feels taboo. So it scares me. So I pull back away from my attraction. So now here's a man who's attracted to me, who's trying to come towards me. I'm looking at him like, oh, he's so sexy. And then I'm thinking of Jesus. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, I'm so sorry that I found him attractive because that's lust. And guess what is a sin in the Bible? Lust. Guys, can you imagine that lust is a sin? Oh, lust is a sin. I really think that possibly when the Bible was talking about lust, it was talking about covetousness, right? The desire, the deep desire to have something, a specific thing that currently is not yours to have. Because, for example, lusting after someone else's wife or someone who's in a relationship, that person is like with someone else, you should not be lusting after it, right? Or lusting after a shoe. <laughs> that belongs to your friend and you lust after it so much that you go and you steal it, right? Maybe, right? If I'm generous towards Christianity, maybe this is what it meant. And we just took it too far. But lusting after another man's wife, yeah, you know, that can be deadly unless, you know, the wife is lusting after you too, in which case maybe I'll need a conversation. <laughs> okay, now I'm being messy. But what I'm trying to say is that all of a sudden there is this weird dynamic that is happening between me and my sexuality my ability to let myself feel my sexuality, how I feel when someone looks at me sexually, it makes me feel dirty because the Bible has said that that is wrong. I feel dirty when I feel sexually attracted to someone. And then I don't know what to do, right? And we fast forward. So because of all of this, I don't want to talk about sex. I'm not going to talk about it with anyone. I'm not going to talk about it with my mom. No one is going to talk to me about it. All they're going to do is tell me that I better not fucking get pregnant because my uterus belongs to my husband because he needs it for his name and his lineage. <laughs> so sex ed is all about don't get pregnant. And the way that they make sure we don't get pregnant is that they try scare us with venereal diseases and HIV. And they're like, this will be you if you have, you know, unprotected premarital sex. And then the other alternative, which is you'll have a child and your child will destroy your life. Because you won't be able to finish school, you won't be free, you won't da, 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 and you'll incur the shame of your whole community, and you will officially have the evidence that you're a hoe. And so it's like, okay, we better not have sex because the cost is too high, right? Fast forward, um, now we get married. I find this dude who's supposed to be the safe place where I'm allowed to have sex. 
all my repressed sexuality is now supposed to magically come out, right? Now I've got a married, there's a ring on my finger. I'm supposed to somehow be magically over all the shame and conditioning that I've had about sex. One, a dude who has felt like, you know, I don't, I, I will not speak for men. I won't speak for men, but I know men run around saying that they want a freak in the sheets and a queen in the, in the streets. What is it? Lady in the streets, freak in the sheets, right? And now they, they went and they married their lady, <laughs> brought her into the, into the sheets. And she said, okay, lady, one, two, three, go become a freak. Where is she supposed to become a freak from? <laughs> Where? All of a sudden, I must be over my shame. And I must be like, yes, baby, right? You come home and I'm like lying naked on the bed being like, come hither. How? When my vagina has been a source of shame for me my entire life. How am I supposed to be able to have sex with the lights on when I have been made to feel shame when anyone looks at me? right and looks at my boobs and looks at my vagina and, and looks at my booty and thinks that i'm sexy of course i'm gonna want to have sex in the dark well that's a buzzkill for you mr man who's been allowed to sow his wild oats because you're a wild young man until you settle down that's not fun for you because all the wild huns because they were wild huns remember because they weren't being pious they were breaking the rules so it was thrilling and exciting for a man to be running around sowing his seeds with all the wild girls but now that it's time to get married, he remembers that he's only allowed to marry a pure chick, right? Because even if, you know, you, you've seen it, guys. When men marry women who are sexually experienced, they're a bit embarrassed about it and a bit uncomfortable about it. And they want to kind of do revisionist history things with their wives if they choose to marry them. Or they want to change their wives into pious women so that they feel better about the fact that they married them and that so that they feel more accepted and are more accepted by their boys, their mom, their aunts, the church by marrying this freak. And they have to then tell the story about, oh, she was a freak because she was damaged and she had daddy issues and she was running away from herself and blah, blah, blah. There has to be a reason this woman was wild in the streets when I found her. And then I found her to like domesticate her. So just like the colonialists, I was doing her a favor by coming and like giving her a nice pious life. So now this little wild hen has to come into her life, into this dude's into this dude's life and become pious, right? But I'm getting distracted because I was here talking about the pious girl who married the dude who had experience, right? So these dudes who have experience, they either marry, you know, women who have sexual experience or they marry inexperienced women. And they bring their expectations into the bedroom that their pious woman cannot fulfill. And then they get very frustrated and they wonder why. And then they also wonder, well, why am I even struggling to get it up? Why am I not attracted to this woman? Because you, if you were sexually attracted to more sexually adventurous women before you got married, that's not suddenly going to change because you have a wife. You're still attracted to a woman who moves and, and talks and like, you know, essential in a certain way. And now you've gone and you've selected the complete opposite of your type, right? And then you're wondering why you can't get it up because it's not sexy to you. The thing that's sexy to you, you would not let yourself marry and society would not let you marry. So now you are stuck marrying the person who wasn't as hot to you. And now if you're married to the person who wasn't as hot to you, that's very awkward for you. Because guess what you're going to end up doing? You're going to go cheat on me, right? You're going to run off, find one of your fun huns that you were into before you married me. And she's going to become your small house or your mistress. And then when I am devastated as your wife... 
he's like, how can you go and, and, you know, cheat on me and step out on me? For him, it's actually a matter of survival because that is where he finds sexual fulfillment. That's where he finds attraction. But it's very hard for him to come to me and say, I don't actually find you attractive. But... I married you because I had to marry you because I was supposed to like a woman like you, even though you're not really the, the type of woman I like. That's horrible, right? And that's really hard. And number two, by the way, I wasn't willing to impregnate in an official way the type of woman that I was into, but I'm willing to impregnate someone like you, but I'm not willing to be sexually attracted to someone like you. So actually, I married you for your uterus. <laughs> There's no way a man is going to say that. There is no fucking way that a man is going to come and say that to his wife. And I don't even know, I, I don't know if men are even able to consciously say that to themselves, right? And then let's talk about me, right? Pious little Tenji who came and married this guy, came into the marriage, somehow was supposed to magically switch off shame and turn on sexuality. But everything about sexuality is so uncomfortable for me. And because my sexuality has always, my experience of my sexuality has always involved a man who is like paternalistic towards me, I bring that energy into the bedroom and it becomes uncomfortable. Guys, I definitely remember there was a guy that I was dating um, where I, I, I caught a conviction partway through our relationship. We were sexually active and started feeling very uncomfortable having sex because every time I tried to have sex with him, I, I saw a silhouette of Jesus in the doorway looking at me with judgment. Guys, how do you have sex with Jesus staring down at you? <laughs> how do you like sexually unbutton your top and like open your top to reveal your lacy bra and say, ooh, baby, these have been waiting for you all day. Come have a sip while Jesus is standing in the doorway. Guys, there's no way. Like that just doesn't work, right? It just does not work and so however because i'm supposed to be a sexually liberated wife i feel shame about the fact that i'm struggling to be the sexually attractive woman or, or not sexually attractive but like sexually embodied woman in the bedroom so before i was met before i got married i had sex shame right because i wasn't supposed to feel sexual now that I'm married and I continue to not feel sexual because I've, I've built up so much sexual repression, I feel shame because I can't feel sexual and feel my sexual energy. And then my husband, I'm, I'm like having to live with the disappointment. The very thing that made my husband prize me as a rare find and a jewel among, you know, thorns, whatever, all this nonsense stuff that they say to try and incentivize women to keep themselves virgins, Right. That same little jewel, that the thing that made him prize me is now the thing he hates about me, right? And then he's going to therapy being like, my, my wife doesn't want to have sex with me. They're writing into men's columns being like, or women's columns being like, please give me advice about how I can get my wife to be more into me. Blah, 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 right? And it's just like, we've been set up. We were never going to win. And if you even think about that dynamic, another aspect that gets layered in is the fact that men have permission to have sex, but women don't when they're not married. And so men have had all these, all these opportunities to learn about their desires because their penises always belong to them. They naturally will come into the bedroom 
a lot of men i'm not saying everyone is like this because i've actually had very generous lovers but they'll come into the bedroom with a me-centric approach to sex like make me come and when they come they roll over and they're done but for me right if i am wanting my pleasure and my pleasure is a slow build it maybe takes a little bit longer maybe i had no experience and i'm coming in and i need to learn my body because guess what i wasn't allowed to explore my body before but now i am right how do we get there if the whole show is about you and your pleasure and it's not about me and my pleasure where do we begin and how do we continue right how does this become a dialogue how does this become a great conversation and a great experience for both of us if both of us are coming in with um a very challenging a very challenging relationship with sex right because our sexuality was given to someone else and we weren't allowed to own our pleasure it also then becomes hard for women when we have our sexual awakenings to even own our sexual awakenings and say give me pleasure make me have a good time focus on me you know give me the foreplay that i need and the foreplay might be talking it might be dirty talk it might not be dirty talk it might be cuddling and stroking it might be eating delicious foods in an interesting and fun way where it might be something really kinky right i don't know help me discover this and let's do what i need as well so that i can get pleasure but i know that i've experienced and i don't know if other people have experienced this too you know experiences in the bedroom where you know you feel a little bit uncomfortable bringing the gaze and the attention of the whole experience to yourself like i've struggled to to kind of say huh you know what like i need a little bit of something else or what you're doing isn't fun can we try something else or hmm i'm not you know that doesn't feel nice or that hurts or um when someone you know if he ejaculates and i haven't come yet to say oh i didn't i hadn't come yet <laughs> like i actually didn't get where i needed to go and so we'll fake it we'll pretend we're having fun we'll silence our voices because this whole thing we're not used to owning and taking up space in the bedroom and so woman's sexual pleasure goes completely unmet right men aren't focusing on it and women themselves aren't focusing on it because we don't we we in many situations don't think we can guys i really apologize for the sound of the fan whirring in the background it's stressing me out but um i don't want to lose my train of thought and yo I've done the best that I can for my laptop. I don't know what processes is running in the background that are making it like run itself like crazy like this. But please <laughs> please bear with me. Um okay, let's come back. So I think it's just really disappointing and hard for all of us that this is the you know quagmire we're in because we're passing this on to our kids because we don't know what the if we're doing. We're, we we aren't even educating our kids. on how to have great sexual experiences for boys and girls. And there's all these dichotomies around well, sex is an emotional thing for women. Why? Because we weren't allowed to have like just raw crude sexual feelings towards men because we're supposed to be the harbingers of 
um, propriety. And so we weren't allowed to sully our purity with the base desires of the body, right? But men, because for some reason, men aren't, you know, the vessels of purity, they can go sully themselves wherever they want. And isn't it ridiculous that they're selling themselves with the very vessels that are supposed to be the vessels of purity? Let's not talk about the logical inconsistency there. But I've lost my train of thought. Yes, because women are supposed to therefore be these emotional, sensual, soft, delicate. Oh, our experience of sex isn't sexual. It, it, like it's not physically sexual in society's eyes. It's like emotional. So men's experience of sex is purely physical. It's very primal. And so that sucks for men because I know men who've had very and I mean, I had a whole conversation about this at Heritage Day. I was at a braai, very interesting conversation, about <clears throat> how sex is actually emotional for men in ways that um, we just don't talk about. Men don't really talk about it. Women don't talk about it. But this man was vulnerably sharing with me. <coughs> Excuse me. Let me have a sip of water. Yo. He was very vulnerably sharing with me about how he <clears throat> has emotional experiences of sex, but it's, it's, it's like almost hard to even create a space where he can have that. And things like that can like lead to like performance issues. And the way we call it performance issues, it's like, maybe I don't wanna ejaculate. Maybe I just wanna cuddle. Maybe I just wanna be held. Maybe I just want your presence. And I mean, the number of men who don't seek out prostitutes for sex, they actually seek them out for conversation and cuddles, is huge. Like, it's it's a meaningful number. I, I think it's more than 40%, right? And so men are now not being allowed to own the emotional and sensual experience they also have, where they don't want it all just to be a transactional thing, right? And women aren't allowed to have the virile, hard, intense, passionate, like, I just want to get mine, right? Because we're supposed to be, oh, oh my gosh, come, give me sex, blah, blah, blah. Like, if you want it, you know, in a big way, you're a porn star, or you're a hoe, or you're a freak. Like, you aren't just a woman, who has this whole spectrum of how she wants to experience sex. And men aren't the same. They aren't men who have this whole spectrum of how they want to experience sex. And so guys, where can we find freedom? Where can we find freedom? Where can we just have our vaginas to belong to us again? And for men to not feel like they need to, you know, be responsible for an entire other person's aspect of their being. And the power that is um, that is held within sexual energy, I mean, here I'm just talking about these like weird dynamics that happen in relationships, etc. But there's a whole aspect that I'm not even talking about right now, which is the spiritual significance and power and energy that is held by sexuality, male and female sexuality. Like the masculine, the sexual masculine energy and the sexual feminine energy is hugely powerful. But, and that's why it was ritualized and it's been ritualized for centuries and that's why it's positioned as devil worship when sexuality and sex is used as part of spiritual practice and ritual and yet if we are divine feminine and divine masculine and if you want to say that the way that christianity talks about it is true that we are made in the image of god and i believe that we're all made of the same stuff and we're all part of the universe right 
if we have these sexual aspects of ourselves, the divine has sexual aspects of itself. And so there is an aspect of sexuality that can be very sacred and very beautiful and very, a very powerful form of connection and like strengthening our own spiritual power, our own relationship with ourselves when we have sex with ourselves, when we masturbate, as well as our bond and emotional and spiritual intimacy and connection with our partners when we when we sexually mate, right? And so, huh, I don't have a conclusion to this and a little nice ending for this episode, but I just wanted to come and talk about sex and all the things that I'm thinking about it. And for me, like, I am a sexual being. I'm having sex. I am not married and I don't care. <laughs> I don't care that I'm having sex and I'm unmarried. I am finally at a place in my life where I am letting myself love sex. I'm letting myself talk about sex and not judge myself as being a hoe or one of those goals, whoever those goals are. I am not, um, I no longer fear being one of them because I don't think any aspect of me, um, causes, brings shame to any other aspect of me, unless I'm harming someone or harming myself or harming life. Right. And, and dishonoring what life is. Right. And there's no way that healthy sex is dishonoring. There's just no way. When it's consensual, it, there's no aspect of it that could possibly be um, dishonoring as long as we're empowering ourselves to have the experiences that we desire in those sexual encounters. And so it just feels so good to, at this ripe old age of 39, to be having a sexual awakening and just enjoying my body and feeling like I love the fact that I'm a sexual being. I'm owning that I'm sexy. I'm owning that I have a delicious little booty. I'm owning that I'm a bit of a flirtatious hun, that I can flirt, right? And I can flirt with people that I'm attracted to. I'm owning that I'm attractive to people and it's cool, right? What they do with their sexual attraction to me is their business, right? I'm not going to co-opt any sort of feelings about what it says or means that they're sexually into me. And I get to choose who I want to have sex with. I get to decide if I want to have casual sex or if I want to have meaningful sex. That's my choice. And who knows how long I'm going to be single for? Yes, I'm on Bumble. Yes, I'm in the streets. Awesome, right? I don't know how long I'm going to be single for. Does that mean that I have to be like in the Sahara until I meet someone and then we become committed and then we have regular sex with each other? Guys, no, life is short. And who knows how long I'm going to look like this, guys? I want to like eat my youth while I'm young, right? And so I think it's my privilege and my right. And I love this for me. And I don't care if there's some guy who's going to listen to this podcast and be like, <gasps> now I can't be with Tenji because Tenji is a sexually empowered woman. Oh, shame, guys, because you're going to miss out. <laughs> but I'm not going to miss out because I wouldn't want you and your judgment in my bed, right? And for any woman who are going to come and judge me and be like, oh, how is she ever going to get married? There's no man who's going to want her because, you know, no man wants something that other people have eaten or wants to go where other men have been. Okay, well, I'm going where other women have been. So if I'm sucking it up, you can fucking suck it up, right? <laughs> right? You know, and it's okay. Like, you can go get all those, like, slut-shaming people, right? And you just leave me out of it. And if I die and no one ever wanted to marry me because patriarchy ran strong in this part of the world and people couldn't get past this podcast episode or the fact that I am a sexually awakened woman, hey, do you know what? So be it. I lived as me, right? And I had the life that I wanted. And I 
honored my body in the way my body deserved to be honored. And my body does not deserve to have any part of me looking at it saying, you're not welcome here. And you sully me. And you make me undesirable. And you are the barrier between me and social acceptance and my great life. Because I'd rather not be accepted and have my body than be accepted by society and not have my body. And not have my heart. And not have my self-worth. And not feel fully embodied as me and not have access to the fullness of my feminine and divine masculine power that both run through me and make me a dynamic, amazing, powerful, impactful, sexual, intellectual, emotional, spiritual being. Cause I'm everything guys, just because I'm having sex doesn't mean now I'm suddenly a shit person or not nurturing or this or that. It just doesn't take away from all those aspects of me. The same as someone who is like really spiritual, it doesn't make them not sexual. Like, can we just allow people to be full embodied whole beings that encompass the fullness of what it means and is to be right because if we are a, a full expression of the divine then we have everything in us and everything is right everything in us is right no aspect about the way that we were made is wrong and so no one should ever make us feel wrong for how we were made and how we were designed and our natural desires and and inclinations. If I'm into guys, no one can make me feel bad about that. If I'm into women, no one can make me feel bad about that. And if I don't wanna have sex, I'm not into anyone, no one should make me feel bad about that because guess who I belong to? Me. And guess who I am hurting by having these desires? Absolutely no one, not even the future generation of little children. I'm empowering the future generation of little children to find their own truths, to find their own answers, to be the masters of their own fates, to own their own body parts, and to explore and discover the fullness of who they are without having to be shamed out of significant parts of themselves. Because all of us deeply crave to just belong, to just be enough as we are. And this is the point of this work. This is the point of us rising up and like owning our space. Okay, Ndapeza. Ndapeza means uh, I'm done. (laughs) I have finished. Everyone, have the best one. The best, best one. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If it wasn't for you, hey, Mawan, as we say in Shana. And Mawan means kind of like, oh, tough luck, right? Um, But it's like, oh, well, what are we going to do about it? It's a shit outcome, but we have to accept it and move on. That is what it is. And if this was your speed, hey, welcome. Thank you for vibing with me and enjoying this episode. I would, especially with this episode, you guys, I would love to know what you think. So if you feel inclined, please like drop me a message. (laughs) Or you can even leave a review and be like, wow, the the episode about sex was like so interesting and scandaloso. Guys, I'm here to be scandalous because guess what? If you don't have people coming and being scandalous, right? And daring to say, I will go and wear the first woman who wore trousers were scandalous. Guys, I'm willing to be a maverick because I might just be freeing many of us. And so enjoy the rest of your Saturday. I hope you love this. It's now twilight, like the sun is setting and there's this beautiful golden glow. And as we're here talking about female sexuality, da da da, there's this lush bougainvillea that's just like drooping into my French windows and 
oh, it just feels so lush and like, I say this a lot, like juicy, but it just feels plush and divine. So I hope and I just bless you to feel the divine, lovely energy that I am just flowing in in this moment. Alrighty, I will see you next time. Bye.